production growth and income growth must not get out of step in my empire. That is the substance of my command. There are to be no balance of payment difficulties between the different spheres of influence. And the reason for this is simply because I command it. I want to emphasize my authority in this area. I am the supreme energy eater of this domain, and will remain so, alive or dead. My government is the economy. Order in Council, the Emperor Paul Muhadi. Welcome to Reading Dune, a podcast where we read Dune by Frank Herbert and talk about it. Whether you're a Fremen or a first-time reader, this podcast is for you. My name is Caleb Pauls. And I am Evan Diaz. And together, we are going to read some Dune. Yeah, we are. Woo! All right. Uh, David here on YouTube says, Red Messiah some months ago, this part is overwhelming. (laughs) It's something. Dre on YouTube says, one of my favorite chapters of the book. Can't wait to see y'all discuss. All right. Um, first of all, we got a new character sh- shows up. That's true. Yeah. This this chapter. Um, Evan, when it, can I get your, your preliminary thoughts to uh, what do you think this chapter held as you just finished reading it? Held what it held? I don't know what. Yeah, when you hold, as you held the book in your hands, <laughs> how did it hold your heart while you were reading it? Uh, clumsily and unsure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so pretty typical. Got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, uh, it was it was weird. It got weird. The second. Uh, the second her little dwarven friend appears. Mm. Hmm. It's like something that shouldn't have been there. Li- well, like literally, it's something that shouldn't have been there, literally. according to Paul. Yeah. But like, it's like you're. It's like you're reading. I don't know. Some very serious book and some very serious thing is happening, and then all of a sudden, a Munchkin from Munchkinland shows up from the Wizard we- of Oz. We are the Lollipop Guild. Right, the yeah. Lollipop <laughs> Guild. It's very strange. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. They, but everyone just keeps acting like everything is still very serious. Ser- this is seriously normal. Yeah. Is what yeah, yeah. we're getting at. And it just yeah. feels different, a little weird there. Yeah, yeah. I um, I have to admit, I finished reading this chapter and immediately read the next one, something, Evan, you do not have the privilege of doing. Um, and coming back to this chapter now, I am so excited because cool. um, in this, Paul feels trapped by time. He's he's trying to delay. B-Jazz, the dwarf, is trying to hurry up. B-Jazz? How do you want to call him? I don't know. I don't know. B-Jazz? That, that one could have been pronounced 20 different ways yeah, my please. my uh my latino culture said bihas 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 <laughs> that felt more ethnic and arrakis to me well he is he is otherworldly that's for sure 
Um, okay, so let's just jump right in. But before we do that, uh, plug to readingdune.com, yeah. merch, Patreon. Thank you to everyone who's supporting us on Patreon. We could not literally do this without you. Um, this is it's so, yeah, this has just been a journey, and we're so excited that we could do it with all of you. Pop in the Discord, follow us on Twitter, Reading Dune. I think all the links should be at the bottom somewhere. Um, and to the people who are listening to this 10 years in the future, hi, how's it going? Email us at Reading Dune. I'll probably, I'll probably respond. <laughs> but, but Caleb will have reading glasses to show that time has passed. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. So, all right, all right. So, last time on Reading Dune, I feel we went like to church. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, n- we're in the tail end now. The book is almost over. That's and, true. And I, so I feel like I need to like start from the events of Authheim's daughter cuz that's yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. important for this chapter specifically. Um so Authheim's daughter shows up, which we know is not Authheim's daughter. He's actually uh, Sightail, mm-hmm. and Paul knows it's Sightail. And Sightail says that there's a human distrans that only that Paul has to go find, and it's at Authheim's house, and everyone who's in the conspiracy is there, and. We need to get that. But also, Chani needs to be there. And Paul's like, no way, Jose is my very, very pregnant wife. Going to go in this very dangerous situation. Um, I'll go. I'll go alone. And Sightail's like, no, you can't do that. And he's going to go alone. So he goes alone. He then goes and he ends up somehow at Aaliyah's temple where she's performing a ritual, a rite. Mm-hmm. Where she's getting drunk off melange and taking a huge spice trip in front of a bunch of people, and she sees things, and Paul knows what she sees because he's seen the same thing, and it gets her very upset. Right, she's like angrily pissed and and leaves the ritual early and pisses a bunch of people off in doing so. Um, and then. Paul is then guided by very old Fremen, which he knew in his old CH days. And now the guide has now taken him and it's now the dead of night. And the, the old Fremen has taken him to the cul-de-sac where Ulthheim lived. Right. Now, we've uh, been to this cul-de-sac before. It's the same cul-de-sac that Farouk uh, lived at. Right. And it's like chapter two Right, it was like right at the beginning that we went. Yeah, through, right? right, right, right at the beginning. Kind of got this plan. That's how we know that Authheim's daughter was actually um, uh, addicted to Samuda, which was given to her by Farouk's son, who had no eyes. Um, and so then, as Saitail went to their house, killed everybody, and presumably also killed Authheim's daughter and took her form. And now the trap has been set for Paul. And so he now arrives on Destiny's doorstep, very literally. So Paul followed the old Fremen to the cul-de-sac where Altheim lived. It's on the right. 
second door from the far end. Go with Shai Halud, Muhadib, and remember when you were Usul. So Paul then slips away into the dark night. And at this point, he helps the old Fremen escapes, but odds are, like, Paul is also not alone. He's right. with, like, a bunch of people that are secretly following behind him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. That was that was something that I was confused about in the last chapter. Right. Um, this old Fremen was not a part of Paul's situation. Right. Like, he was not not a Paul not a part of his security Detail. people. Yeah. In the crowd, he he was sent by. I still don't know how to like how Oth- to pronounce Othheim's Oth- name. Yeah. He was he was helping Othheim get get Paul to his house, right? Right. That's right, what was right. happening. Okay. Yes. So, and as soon as the old man leaves, he's probably like swarmed in with troops, probably to be questioned, interrogated. Yeah. So there's that. But P- Paul is now away. Steps into the night into this cul-de-sac. He noticed how the air around him was thick. Right? With the smell of the reclamation still. Um, What do you think goes in the reclamation still? Poo-poo and pee-pee? Yep. Okay, there it is. (laughs) So the the whole block just stinks. But this also means that it stinks because the moisture is being let into the air. So they're letting moisture escape. And nobody's fixing it. No No one cares. They're just perfectly fine with the smell. Awesome. This was a neighborhood of wealth. Water millionaires forgetful of the days when a man on Arrakis... Oh, my notes go away. Um, forgetful of the days when water you know, didn't fall from the sky, when you had to kill each other for water. Right. Paul thought to himself, why am I hesitating? It's a second door in the far end. I knew that without being told. This is a thing that must be played out to precision. So I hesitate. So there's this thing that's going on with Paul that he's playing with time. Like, mm-hmm. he's seen all of this happen already, and he knows any deviation will cause massive violence. He's trying to avoid. And so he's just playing his part precisely as it should be played. Right. Down to the moment. Yeah. I also think Paul is kind of mourning here, taking the moment in, because he knows what's about to happen. Yeah. You don't know, Evan, what's about to happen. I know what's about to happen, and I think he's definitely taking a moment to take it all in. I just, every chapter that we read, I'm waiting for him to just get shanked. That's every (laughs) single chapter. He hasn't gotten shanked yet, so I'm like, it's only a matter of time. Before something happens. Yeah. (gasps) Okay. Where's my worm? worm? (laughs) Your emotional support worm. Right then, Paul heard a loud noise. There was an argument happening in one of the houses. A woman was yelling something that she'd found dust in the house. Do you think water falls from the sky? If dust came in, the moisture got out. Paul thinks to himself, hmm, at least somebody remembers. That line struck him, though. Water falling from the sky. Some Fremen had experienced that in other worlds. Paul even ordered for it to happen once on Arrakis. But that was a distant memory. Even farther back, he remembered rainstorms on Caladan. Paul t- Paul walks forward. For a split second, he's in two places at once. He's yeah. here on he's here on Arrakis 
walking through the dust in this moment, and in another moment he's in Caladan walking through the mud. I think it's this weird split thing that's happening. Then he's back in the sand, in the wind-muffled darkness, with the future, capital F, future, hanging over him, taunting. He could feel the planet around him, the aridity of life around him like an accusation. You did this. What do you... I liked Future with a capital F. I was not expecting that this time reading it through. Well, it's it's happened before with the word time. Yeah. He'll almost. capitalize time. And I was, I was always like, I'm reading through, I'm like, hmm, okay. Because it, I don't know, it makes sense that in the this you know like the fremen religion or more importantly the the muadib religion that time would be seen as something higher than and holy you know like you grow up in church they tell you to capitalize the g in god because right. why i don't know because it's it's important you know like uh reverence or whatever it is like makes sense that they would do that in this religion with the word time or future or whatever you know no for sure it is it's another place another entity that Mm -hmm. is dictating things right like paul even the last chapter feels says he feels trapped by the universe he feels trapped by time and there's and you see it in this chapter too like he can't do anything out of step yeah or something even worse is going to happen which is scary to even think about yeah so these people these Fremen, they've all become a civilization of dry-eyed watchers and ta- tall tellers, tale tellers, people who solved all their problems with power and more power and still more power, hating every erg of it. All right, so I had to look, look up what an erg was. I um, almost did, but then I didn't, so I'm glad you did. Because <laughs> I was like, erg? I gotta, I'm, what is that? Erg is a unit of energy or work in a centimeter-gram-second system. It's in physics. So, um, basically, it's, the, it's a st- work of energy. If a, the time it takes, how long it takes, and how heavy it is, is one okay. erg. Cool. And... So basically, these are the Fremen are now people that solve their problems with power and more power, hating all the energy they've ever put into gaining and smushing and having that power. Yeah. That tracks. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Dust turned to stone under his feet. He remembered his vision of what was going to take place. There's a rectangle doorway, black on black. That's Altheim's house. Fate's house. A place different from everything around it, marked by time for this moment. It was a strange place to be marked down in history. I just, See, I just, I, it's, it, it's, it's stuff like that. Why are you talking like that? Like, obviously, something terrible is going to happen, freaking me out. And then, uh, I, 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 whatever, we can, this chapter is upsetting. <laughs> <laughs> I just imagine, like, the, in, in my head, it's like he like looks at the doorway and then it like zoom pans into the door. Like, <sighs> yeah, 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 yeah. This is where you're supposed to be. Walk the path this way. Paul goes to the door and knocks. 
The door gets cracked open. A green light from the atrium peeked out into the night. What's green mean? Death. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> uh, okay. Paul was met by a dwarf peering out through the crack. This was curious. There's no dwarf in the vision. You've come then. <laughs> the dwarf stepped aside, almost gloating as a small smile creeped across his face. Come in, come in. Oh, gosh. Paula so rude. <laughs> Paul is still thinking about his vision of this moment, rationalizing to himself. Sure, some visions could contain such disparities and still hold true to their original purpose, but this slight deviation dared him to hope. Hope, things, hope that things could change. He looked up over the street, over the suburbs, over the shield wall, and he looked at the moon, which always goes back to me, that vision of the moon falling. The moon, yeah. The moon. The moon haunted him. He pondered another vision, vision of the falling moon. And then Paul wonders, how did the moon fall? Because that was never shown in his vision. Paul entered. The door was closed behind him, and the dwarf led the way. Slap, 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 slap of the dwarf's enormous feet echoed as he opened the gate to a roofed central courtyard. They await, sire, the dwarf said. Then the dwarf disappeared down a side passage. Paul headed across the, cor the courtyard. It was a dark place, a gloomy place. The smell of sickness and defeat hung in this place. Paul wondered to himself, was it defeat to choose the lesser of evils? How far down this track had he come? I just love that he's pondering. Is it still defeat to choose the lesser of two evils? And that's a question he'll always be wrestling with. Right. It feels like everything's a bad choice at this moment. Paul felt his vision trapped him as he crossed the doorway into a small room. In the room, there was a man that sat on some cushions. There was a feminine figure which hovered in the shadow behind another doorway. The room felt stripped. Walls that used to have rugs and hangings on them are now barren. Pilgrims, fun fact, pay enormous price for authentic Fremen artifacts. So very, very rich pilgrims, they counted desert tapestries as true marks of the Hajj. Right. The Hajj is like the, pilgr the pilgrimage that yes. they go on, like out-worlders out or whatever go on, yeah? Right. So, yeah. yeah. New the the Fadaikin come, the Fremen come, the Crusaders come to the planet. Except Muhadib, cool, awesome. He's saved all of time for us. Great, I want to go on the Hajj. <laughs> and so he they like read the book of Muhadib or something, and they go on this thing and say the prayers, which are all Bene Gesserit prayers, and they get this, and they're like, "Man, we did it." You know, it'd be really cool if we had like a authentic Fremen rug. Wouldn't that be awesome to take home with us so we could remember? So now the Fremen are getting pillaged for their art as well, but they're getting paid a steep price for it, which brings up a whole other conundrum of feelings for me that I don't quite like. Yeah, it's yucky. Yeah. The walls stood there empty, which only amplified Paul's sense of guilt. 
that he's also robbed them of their culture. Otham clears his throat, and Paul looks at him. Everything was as the vision is foretold. Paul nodded to Otham, saying, Good luck to you in your dwelling place. This was a common Fremen greeting, right? To an old friend and a siege mate. Mm-hmm. So, I see you once more, Uso, Otham said. Muhadib always answers the call of the call of a Fadaikin. The woman in the doorway moves, saying, So Stilgar boasts. She entered the light. This was an older version of the Lickna that which was the face dancer that they had copied, right? Mm-hmm. Paul remembered that Ultham had married sisters. Paul remembers that this sister's name was Dury. Paul said, You see me here? Would I be here if Stilgar hadn't to prove? I carry your water burden. Othheim, command me. Othheim produced a shaky nod. He was really sick. He'd caught a disease on Tar Hill, which is one of the planets they conquered. And Othheim's telling a story, but can't finish because he starts coughing so much. Dury goes over to Othheim and props him up on a pillow to steady him. She says, the tribe will collect his water soon. Paul says he'll send for the doctors. Dury says there's no need. They've already called all the doctors. Paul then starts to think how costly the doctors were. So my question is to Evan, why do you think they sold all their hangings? Right, to pay for the doctors. Yeah. Yeah. Paul felt uneasy. He felt trapped by his vision of this moment. Even though there were minor, minor differences... He knew with terrifying certainty that if he tried to break out from this enclosed pattern of moments right here, right now, there would be terrible violence. So, what do you want from me? Paul growled. Dury says, couldn't it be that Othheim needed a friend to stand by him in this time? Another coughing foot took Othheim. When it finished, Othheim gasped, there's treachery, Uzzel. Fremen, plot against you. Frustrated rage threatens to overwhelm Paul in this moment. But he does his Bene Gesserit practices and squeeze calmness into his mind. He looked at Dury. Lickness spoke of a message, Paul said. Othheim wheezed. My dwarf! I bought him on a world. Oh, I forgot what world. He's a human distrans. A toy. Discarded by the, tel- by the Telaxu. He's recorded all the all the names, the traitors. Otham fell silent, trembling. Dury said, You speak of Lickna. When you arrived, we knew she'd reached you safely. If you're thinking of this new burden Otham places on you, Lickna is the sum of that burden, an evil exchange. Usul, take the dwarf and go. Paul suppressed a shudder, closing his eyes. The real daughter was dead in the desert, a Samuda-wrecked body abandoned to the sand and the wind. Paul opened his eyes, saying they could come to him at any time for anything. But Durayani said, Othheim stays put so that he could know and number those who hate you, Usul. Paul just says, then summon the dwarf and we'll leave. Dury replies, you've not listened well. Othheim <laughs> mm. wheezed again. You must take the dwarf to a safe place. 
He carries the only record of the traitors. Dury continues, We cannot leave. Only you and the dwarf. It's known how poor we are. We've said we're selling the dwarf, and they'll believe you are the buyer. It's your only chance. Paul consulted his vision. Yes, he left here alone with the name of the traitors. But he never saw how those names were carried. The dwarf obviously moved under, under the protection of another oracle. Which is just creepy that he hadn't seen this dwarf here. Right. From the moment the jihad had chosen Paul, he'd felt himself hemmed in by the forces of a multitude. Their fixed purposes demanded and controlled his every course. Any delusions of free will he harbored now must be merely a prisoner rattling his cage. His curse now was the fact that he saw the cage. Okay, what do you think about that sentence? This moment he's having. Honestly, I don't know. Um, it's confusing. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I do. Like he, it's and it's again like this whole chapter. It's like seems like something terrible is about to happen, and it's like keeps alluding to the cage and the the, the like all of these images of like entrapment and death and like. I don't know because I didn't read the next chapter, so I don't know <laughs> what the heck is going to happen, you know? The foreshadowing is thick. Right. Paul was taking in the room, the moment, these surroundings. He thought to himself, I was wrong to hope. Bump, bump, bump. Summon the dwarf, Paul said. Be jazz? Dury called. Flap, 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 flap. The dwarf comes running stepping into the room with an expression of worry on his face. Dury says, You have a new master now, Bejaz. Dury, st- Dury stared at Paul. You may call him Usul. Bejaz responded, Usul? That's the base of the pillar. How could Usul be base when I'm the basiest thing living? Gosh. It's like Tweedledee and Tweedledum from, uh, <laughs> from Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's it. It's, and that's how it feels. I'm like, what the hell is this character even doing to me right now? Uh, I'm, used to, I'm used to Tolkien's dwarves, you know? They're like stoic and stubborn. And this guy's like, <laughs> like super. He's, he's annoying. Yeah. And yeah. speaks in riddles and, and thinks he's the best thing since sliced bread. <laughs> we'll, get to, we'll get to what, we'll get to it. He's okay. Otham apologized to Paul. He always speaks thus. I don't speak, Bejaz says. I operate a machine called language. Paul just stared at the dwarf. And the dwarf met his eyes with big, round, melange eyes. This was a Tleilaxu toy? Discarded? The Benny Tleilaxu never threw away anything this valuable, Paul thought. Which is our first sign that something is wrong with this scenario. Not to mention he's not in the vision, and he's a little too smart for his own good. Bejaz spoke first. I know when we should leave. It's a talent few men have. There's a time for endings, and that's a good beginning. Let us begin to go, Uso. Paul is trying to understand what the hell is happening. 
This does match some of the vision, and these little man's words fit this occasion. And the so, but Paul is still stalling here. Paul asked the dwarf if he knew who Paul was. Bejaz just grinned, saying, You are much more than the base, Usul. You're the Atreides Emperor, Paul Muhadib, and you're my finger. <laughs> At that, he held up his index finger of his right hand. Bejaz, Dury snapped, you tempt fate. I tempt my finger, Bejaz said, his voice squeaking. He then pointed at Paul. I point at Usul. Is not my is my finger not Usul himself, or is it a reflection of something more base? Then Bejaz brought his finger close to his own face, eyeing it carefully. A mocking grin appeared on the dwarf's face. Ah, it's a Miria finger after all. <laughs> okay, let's just take a break from Bejaz's weirdness and try to understand what he's saying by saying, you are my finger. I mean, if you've got an explanation, I would love to hear it because I have nothing. I have no idea what this dude is talking about at all. I'm like on spoiler territory. I am on my own path that I am treading not to walk anything. Um, yeah, yeah. I can't, I can't say it for fear of what's going to happen later. Okay. But that's important. That's important? That's important. The finger thing is important? Yeah. He names him as, you are Usul, you are the base, you are an Atreian emperor, you are Paul Muhadib, and you are a, a finger. What is my, what do I use my finger to do? He, lots of things, I guess, if you take it like that, but... He plans on I'm using him like 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 you would use a finger to turn on a light switch or press put down leverage on something like he plans to use him in some way which is cool but you can't like the way he talks I can't take him seriously but I think BJS is 100% serious all the time like, he's never joking. Oh. This is what he thinks. is, And just he's just talking in a way that he knows nobody's going to understand him. Mm. But he's being perfectly serious. And if you take him at his word, it's even scarier of what he's actually trying to say. Yeah. Okay. Dury apologizes again, saying how the dwarf does this a, a lot. <laughs> she suspects that's why the Tleilaxu discarded him because he was so annoying to be around all the time <laughs> for sure <laughs> BJS pipes up I'll not be patronized yet I have a new patron how strange the workings of the finger bum 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 <laughs> he's like my finger is now my patron where, finger where should we go do 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 Bejaz then looks at Othheim and Dury and says, Hmm, a weak glue bound us, Othheim. A few tears and we part. At that, the big dwarf turns around and flap, slap, 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 walks to the door. He turns again to face Paul saying, Ah, patron, I came the long way around to find you. Paul just nodded. Oh, I hate that. I came the long way around to find you. It makes me 
think that this is the trap was set up right by Sightail that Paul needs to go and find the human distrans. This human distrans is Bjaz. Bjaz has been waiting for this moment since Othheim was at war. Yes, like he was planted way back then. Yes, and only now is he being like he's like a sleeper cell. Yes. Hey, okay. And he's this annoying little dwarf. So BJS then says, "You be kind, Usul. I'm a person, you know. Persons come in many shapes and sizes. This, but be but one of them. I am weak of muscle, but strong of mouth. Cheap to feed, but costly to fill." Empty me as you will. There's still more in me than men put there. Strong of mouth. Yeah, it's because he keeps talking all the time. Dury just growls at the dwarf. We have no time for your stupid riddles. You should be gone. I'm riddled with conundrums, but not all of them stupid. To be gone, Usul, is to be a bygone. Yes, let bygones be bygones. Dury speaks truth, and I have a talent for hearing that too. Paul is just like, sussing out this whole situation right now. And he's trying to figure out what's happening. So he asks him, you've truth sense? Paul asked, determining now that he's trying to wait out the clockwork of his vision. So he's specifically stalling. Because Othheim, in his vision, still needs to say a few things before they leave. Mm -hmm. So he's waiting. I've now sense, B-Jazz said. Great. Thanks, (laughs) B-Jazz. Paul noted that the dwarf had grown more nervous, that the little man, aware of something, was about to happen. Could Bejaz be his own oracle, Paul thought? Altham spoke up, talking to his wife, asking if she'd asked about Lichna. Dury said that she was safe. At this, Paul just lowered his head in grief. Altham took Paul's movement as a sign that everything was okay. One good thing among the evils, Usul. I don't like the world we're making. You know that. It was better when we were alone in the desert with only Harkonnens for enemies. Which I feel is just another like backstab in, in Paul's guilt of this whole scenario. Right. Because I'm pretty sure he feels that way too. Exactly. You know, at, least like, at least part of him. I think most of him. But... I, yeah, I don't think he's happy about what he's done. Right. And he feels guilty and feels probably when he feels like he needs to pay for his actions. It's like self-harming at this point. Uh, Bejaz quips up, There's but a thin line between many an enemy and many a friend. Where that line stops, there is no beginning and no end. Let's end it, my friends. <laughs> he, he then moves to Paul's side. You should definitely use that line when you're trying to leave a party next time and just like want to leave. <laughs> Facts. I'm gonna I'm gonna underline that one. Where's my where's my underlining bed? There's but a thin line between many an enemy and many a friend. Where that line stops, there's no beginning and no end. Let's end it, my friends. Paul is trying to prolong these moments, so he asked the dwarf, uh, what is now sense? Beaches is now tugging on Paul's robe. Now, 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 now. Off I'm just looks at the dwarf almost affectionately. His mouth rattles, but there's no harm in him. 
I imagine it's the way you you look at like a like a like a chihuahua that won't yeah. stop barking. Yeah. Yeah. He's it's a like, good boy. He's a good. Boy. I, I he's he's yours. You love you love him, but it's annoying to everybody he's else. He's happy, but he's a good as boy. <laughs> B Jazz is now getting really antsy. Even a rattle can signal departure, and so can tears. Let's be gone while there's time to being. Paul just asked the dwarf really slowly. Bejaz, what do you fear? I fear the spirit seeking me now. I fear the one who thinks me and will have no body except mine. And the one gone back into itself. I fear the things I see and the things I do not see. Paul had it figured out. This dwarf does possess some power of prescience. Bejaz is shared in the terrifying oracle that's about to happen. He also knows it's going to happen. Paul wonders if BJ shares the same fate that he does in this event, in this oracle, whatever is about to happen. Hmm. Paul wondered the extent of the dwarf's powers. How much had he seen? Dury then spoke up. Bejaz is right. It's best you go. Bejaz in full panic mode. Every minute we linger prolongs the present. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> there's like, he says, every minute we linger prolongs, and then there's like an ellipsis. It's like prolongs, uh, uh, prolongs the present. <laughs> what? That was a joke. I wasn't going to say, <laughs> no, no, you didn't. No, I didn't. <laughs> you know? Sketchy ass dwarf. Paul only thought that he wanted to linger because every minute deferred his guilt. Paul, in that moment, remembered the breath of the worm, its teeth dripping dust, the spice, the bitterness of that moment. He could sense his own worm waiting. I imagine, I'm trying to think of when he would, he's probably encountered lots of worms in his Muhadib life, um, but the moment I think about the most is when him and Jessica are crossing the sand that first time, mm-hmm. and the wind com- the worm comes after them, and he like, pauses the worm pops up and pauses and you can just smell the spice on him i'm thinking of that moment and paul is now thinking how that time he escaped but he won't escape sometimes yeah (laughs) can i set it up even more for you paul had remembered what all time had said about not liking the world they're building paul just replied these are troubled times (laughs) dury replied Fremen know what to do in times of trouble. Otham nodded. Paul just stared at Dury. She met his gaze, saying, Delay serves no purpose. So, like, everyone can tell Paul is stalling. Right. Otham just wheezed. Do what you must, Husserl. Paul sighed. The words of the vision have been spoken. It is now time to face destiny. There will be an accounting, Paul said, to complete the vision. Then Paul turned and left the room. He heard the flap, flap, flap of Bejaz behind him and the old annoying dwarf saying, bygones, bygones, let bygones fall where they may. This has been a dirty day. And thus ends chapter 17. There it is. Very strange, very strange chapter. Okay, okay. I had a thought also about Bejaz, Bejaz, this, this character. Yeah, this character. Super easy to read it like he's this like goofy Tweedledee Tweedledum mm-hmm. vibe. Mm-hmm. But if you go back and you try 
and imagine him played very seriously by like Peter Dinklage. Bygones be bygones, let bygones fall where they may. Where he's like very serious and uh, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. It would it would be more spooky and cryptic than like funny and do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there's I was trying to figure out while I was reading this chapter how I wanted to read what this character was doing. Yeah, the only like sense they give us besides the the language is sing-songy language is like this squeak in his voice and the constant yeah. smile yeah. he gives. Exactly. Like the I know something you don't know. Right, 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 right. But I'm like I don't know. I could picture Denis Villeneuve like Oh, for changing sure. Changing that up and making him like spooky and serious, but still uh, like cryptic and like yeah, weird, but I don't know. Because the tone changes mm-hmm. hardcore. And I and like Paul, I kind of want us to feel like the this shouldn't be there. This shouldn't be in the story. Right. This is wrong and I don't know why. Yeah. But everything I'm still doing, everything according to the plan. But this is like I he makes me feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. I'm he's smart mouthed and annoying and pretentious and calls me his finger, which <laughs> is a euphemism for lots of things that I don't want to get into. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and yeah. And, but yeah, I, I can totally being, see it being played very seriously and the, the rim, the rhyming. Yeah. Like, just a random thought that I had. Oh, for being sure. Like a spooky, serious dwarf, not like a, Tweedledum and Tweedledee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like silly, you know? I, uh, yeah, it's, that's... Right. Evan, I'm not going to fault you if you want to read the next chapter right away. That's completely cool. I can't do it, man. Yeah. <laughs> I can't. I'm putting my bookmark in right now. And we will pick it up next week. And we can't wait for all of you to join us. It will be a chapter for the books. That's not yep. it. Um yeah Anna is already ready for next week <laughs> Andrew says it's so close it's uh it's it's about to happen um <sighs> cool so we'll awesome. see awesome yeah so remember to stay spicy everyone uh make sure you get a good glass of water in tonight and uh make sure you're well hydrated and have your emotional support worm or um pillow or something there close to hold you at night for what's about to happen so thank you everybody for reading Dune Messiah with us as the ending comes to a close we want to give everyone just good heads up and say thank you and uh, stay spicy my friends yeah